Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today I'm speaking with Erica Suter. She is a journalist and author of the book, How to Have a Kid and Life, a Survival Guide. Oh, it is such a fun conversation. So we talk about everything from how to have a career and a family and how to find that balance. How do you create boundaries about personal time and personal space? What about having friends that don't have kids? How do you keep those friendships going? And just so much more. It was really a fun conversation. So I think you're very much going to enjoy that. And let me just tell you a little bit about Erica. So Erica Suter has over 20 years of journalism experience and is a nationally recognized voice in parenting news and parenting advice. A frequent contributor of Good Morning America and other national broadcast outlet, it's her job to speak to parents across the country to stay on top of the issues, controversies, and trends most affecting families today. And as I mentioned, she's the author of the upcoming book. It is going to be released on August 24th. Go get your book, pre-order it, How to Have a Kid and a Family, a Survival Guide. Because as a parent, my son's almost 10. I have to tell you, sometimes it's not so easy finding that balance. And Erica really helps us understand how to feel fulfilled as a person and a parent. So I think you're going to enjoy that. Before we get to the conversation, just a reminder, we are back in person in the studio. Woohoo! What does that mean? It means that we have some classes that are just in the studio. We have some classes that are just online. And then we have a hybrid of classes that sometimes we're in the studio and we're live streaming it. So seven days a week, we're still supporting our community outside of New York City, outside of the Upper West Side. So we've built this amazing community throughout this pandemic, and there's no reason to stop supporting one another. So we can either see you in person or online or both at the same time. It's really great. Also, I know that not everyone can get to class every day, but your pregnant and postpartum bodies might still have some aches and pains. So I have a free downloadable. You can grab it from our website and it's called Five Simple Solutions to the Most Common Pregnancy Pains. And even though I say pregnancy pains, I know there's postpartum pains and everything on that cheat sheet can support the postpartum body as well. So go check that out. And then last thing. Okay. So people have been asking, yeah, the studio is starting to open again. What are we going to do about teacher training? Well, we've made the commitment that we're going to do teacher training online for the rest of 2021. We didn't know where things were going to be when we were starting to plan our schedule. And we have people coming from all 
over the world. We have people from Switzerland, some from Spain. There's someone from, I think, Vancouver all over signed up to take the training. So we're going to keep it online. We have a September, October, and then we have a November, December. And then we're going to be back in person for 2022. I'm hoping, as long as Yoga Alliance gives us the okay, that once a year we'll still do our online training so that we can continue to reach the people who can't make it to New York twice a year. Okay, so I think that's it. Let's take a super quick break and we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Erica. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Erica. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you. So we met, was it like two months ago? I don't know, a month ago during the Mommy Mingle panelist. And I just loved everything you had to say. So I'm really excited to jump in. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, I love talking about motherhood and the motherhood experience. So this is such a treat for me. Yay. All right. So let's start with just a little bit about yourself and also what inspired your book, How to Have a Kid and Life, a Survival Guide. So important. I feel like it's often one or the other. <laughs> yeah, so do I actually. Um, well, you know, I've been a journalist for 20 years and I started out covering entertainment. I worked at People Magazine, uh, at Us Weekly. I've done segments on Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood. And once I had a family, covering entertainment just wasn't, um, it just didn't fit with the idea I had of being a mother or having a family life, meaning I couldn't be up till 4 a.m. waiting for Kim Kardashian's publicist to call me back about some outfit she was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Your priorities definitely do change after you have kids. And um, so I switched gears. I started writing about motherhood pretty much exclusively. I did some stuff with celebrity moms and, and talking about that experience. But what I really dove into was what it is like for the everyday mom out in the world and um, moms from different walks of life with different amounts of, you know, varying amounts of children, um, ones who worked, who didn't work, uh, ones who were single, um, moms who were dating. And, you know, it was just, I was just so fascinated by the experience, partly because, you know, I'm a mother myself and it was just such an important topic to me. And I started writing about things that we didn't typically see. And I wrote this article about, um, I think the title was, um, discovery of a mom gene may be the reason some of us don't crave having kids. And I wrote about the fact that while I loved being a mother, I was never the type growing up that played with baby dolls. I never played house. You know, I did have Barbies, but they were solving mysteries and trekking through the Amazon and Ken was never even really a part of the equation. And so I, this research that came out of Rockefeller university here in New York was really fascinating. And it suggested that there was a gene that they 
isolated in mice, but women also have the same gene that is activated at some time during your life. Sometimes it's during adolescence. Um, sometimes it's during uh, young adulthood or when you get married. At some point, it's supposed to kick in and it's supposed to be the reason we crave having kids or that biological clock starts ticking. But there's actually I, a gene? There actually is gene. <laughs> there actually is a gene. And, you know, it's a leap to, to, put, to take it from mice to humans, but human women do have the same gene. And so I thought, well, maybe this kind of explains why I was never the type to crave having kids. It was my husband who would send me messages. My biological clock is ticking. This is what I meant to be. We have to have a child soon. And, <laughs> and it, that never happened for me. But I did have, you know, we started a family because it was time. We'd been married a while. Our careers were going great. It just was the right time. Um, but when I wrote that article, I got so much response from women about, um, about being able to talk about something that they felt embarrassed to talk about. And I noticed when I wrote about other things that we don't often talk about when we have kids or before we have kids, which are, you know, what happens to your marriage and your sex life. What happens to your friendships with women who don't have kids? Um, what happens to your self-esteem? What happens to your career? What happens if motherhood isn't what you expect it to be? I wanted to write about that because I felt that that was the book that I wanted and I couldn't find. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, doesn't mean that we don't love being mothers and that we're not grateful for this opportunity to raise little humans who we hope will do something amazing in this world. It just means it's not always the way we envision it. And I wanted there to be a point of connection for women like that, who are kind of struggling with something. They don't know how to verbalize it. Um, but I want them to find comfort that they're not alone. I think that covers every parent I know. And I'm not being, I'm not, I'm being absolutely serious. Like as you were speaking, I was racking through my brain and I've been around parents for 20 years. I don't know a, and and my close friends, I don't know anyone that doesn't love slash feel overwhelmed by the role of a parent at some point. I haven't met the Carol Brady's of the world, you know, because I think we all, we all are people before we have kids and there can be a mourning, there can be a loss feeling. I think it's, and my husband and I were just talking about this. It is so much harder than we thought it would be. So I'm glad you wrote this because I think it really speaks to a very universal experience. It's, you know, what what surprised me is that especially when I spent five years interviewing moms across the country, what surprised me is that it is such a universal experience, but it's one that we don't ever share before someone has a baby. You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to tell them while they're pregnant, we're like, it's going to be really hard ahead of you. You'd be like, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. I think we're afraid that it's going to make people like run away from motherhood. Um, but actually what I think it, what it does and what it can do is it can help help you navigate those hard parts. Like mm-hmm. if I had known going into pregnancy that there's a potential I could get laid off and how to protect myself from that, maybe I would have had a different story. You know, I had worked at um, People Magazine for 10 years. I dedicated so much of my life and time to it. I 
define myself by my career. And then I just happened to have a baby during this economic downslide. And I was one of 500 people who were laid off. And I think a lot of people go into working moms, go into um, pregnancy thinking that they have this womb-induced sense of security, right? No one gets laid off from maternity leave. And what I find out is that there, it's a huge issue. And there are lots of loopholes to laying off people with maternity leave without having any bad um, work history. And so what I wanted to do is that one of the first chapters is provide this guide of how to protect yourself if you are a working mother. But not just that, there are problems that mothers experience when they get back to work. You know, there's perceptions that they're not as dedicated, that they're not, um, that they're, as, as one person put it, they don't want to deal with the mind share that mothers have to go through. And I said, what's mind share? And they're like, well, you know what, if you have a mom at work, she's going to be thinking about what she's going to make for dinner, what her kids need, as well as the projects that she's working on. And I want that person to be focused on the projects that they're working on. And I thought, my God, that is just so unfair. And it's just not right because mothers are the best task masters in the universe. You know, we are actually more productive when we're back in um, the workforce. We get more done. We tend to be more assertive and better able to direct and lead because we have this this multi this multifaceted life. And I don't think that um, we're giving enough credit for that. So anyway, that's just one aspect of that. No, I love that because if, as I was saying, like, um, it's, it's harder than I thought. It made me, st- and when you, were, you were both kind of agreeing on like, you can be laid off and, and something you said really sparked. It's about being prepared for the challenges. And it kind of reminds me of when I speak to my students about cesarean birth and someone like, Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. And I'm like, but if you learn about it, then it takes the fear away. And if you have to have it, you're prepared. And this is kind of the same thing that you may not encounter all of these challenges, but if you are aware of them, when you go into it, it may not feel like you're hit by a truck. Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest things that, um, one of the complaints, I don't want to call it complaints, but one of the biggest shocks that uh, a lot of new moms shared with me was what it did to their relationships, right? You know, you create this child, in, in many instances with so much love and you, you, it's, you, you work for this, your, it's your goal. You want to bring this person into this little human into your life and your family. And you kind of feel like your marriage isn't going to skip a beat, but you're both going to be bonded by this incredible love for this child and taking care of this child. Well, what often happens is the reality of taking care of a child is much more labor intensive and emotionally intensive than I think a lot of us prepare for. Even though we see it in movies and we even kind of see it, you know, in some of the people we know, when it's happening to us, it's very different. And so one of the things that, um, I think probably one of the most important things I, I think I've found and I wrote about in, in terms of like safeguarding your partnership in your relationship was talking ahead of time about what's going to happen, right? So it, it involves everything from what are your expectations about who does what? Are we both going to work full time? Well, if we do, when, when little Ruby is sick, who takes off of work? During summer, who's going to be the person in charge of you know, the, the daycare situation or taking care of the children during the summer. Um, how, what is your philosophy on spanking? How involved should grandparents be? 
who's going to take out the trash every night, who's going to cook every night. I know this sounds like minutia, but these are the things that couples argued about when, you know, in those moments when they were very frustrated and everyone's tired, everyone's working hard, kind of laying things out helps. It may not make it perfectly every time, but going in, knowing what each other's expectations are makes for a lot smoother ride. And I, and I see that even from my own experience. Yeah, I can imagine also a conversation of how engaged will both partners be. I've been at births as a doula where it was clear that one, the partner just didn't, they weren't comfortable being as engaged and others want to be like right there and doing everything. So when baby comes home, are we sharing with diaper changes? Are we doing bath time together? Are we doing Mm -hmm. bottles in the middle of the night so the, the birthing parent can't sleep? So, what are your tips for having that conversation and getting the partner on the engaged and on the same page? So, you know, we're always so excited leading up to the birth where we go and we, we spend hours at a store picking out things for baby registry, right? <laughs> well, why not take an hour of that time and sit down with your partner? And here's how, here's what, how I like to do it where it's a little bit fun. Maybe go to dinner or have dinner at home and you each have like a piece of paper or a notebook and you answer like, you know, 10 questions. I have questions in my book. You can also come up with your own and it'll be like, you know, like you said, how, um, who, who's going to work, who's going to handle sick days, who is going to handle, you know, doctor's appointments. Will we share them? Will we, you know, or is it all on one parent who's going to help take, maintain the household? Because that's also a really big one. You know, that we often talk about women having, uh, you know, a second shift or a third shift, right? So it's, it's work, it's kids. And then the house is a whole nother, another thing. Like, how is that going to be divided? What are your expectations about how much time you're going to spend as a family on the weekend? Will you continue to have your hobbies? Like how, how will you make sure you have time for each other? And there are things that, again, it, it may not work out perfectly as you plan it, but at least try to have some kind of plan in place. So you have something to fall back on, or at the very least, you each know the other's expectations, Mm. because I find that that is one of the biggest hurdles to happiness for new parents is unmet expectations. And that can lead to resentment. Mm. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) lots of resentment. And it's even little things like I have a, a really wonderful husband, you know, he actually understood, he, he had changed more diapers than I had before I had our first child. Like I had never changed a diaper when I had our first child. And so he had a, a comfort level that I didn't have at first, but you know, as time goes on, you kind of notice that like, you're just doing most of everything. Right. So I'd be, we'd be going out for an outing and I get the kids all dressed and ready and then barely get myself dressed and ready. And I'm like sweating and just like, <laughs> you know, getting binkies and snacks and changes of clothes. And then he's like leisurely putting on a sock. (laughs) And I don't know why that is what put me over the edge. Just like slowly putting on his socks and sitting down. And I'm like hopping, putting on my shoes and everything, like hopping around on one foot. And I just kind of like, I know I would say I lost it, but I didn't lose it like outwardly. I, I kind of like Fused simmering inside. Simmering. Yes. And the whole day I was just in a bad mood, had a bad attitude. Well, that doesn't help anyone, right? It makes everyone's day. It, it brings down everyone's day. So the next time we had like a family outing, I just told him the night before, I was like, I need you to get 
Aiden dress, brushes teeth, comb his hair. I'll take care of Lex, you know? And then he's like, Oh, okay. He knew going into the day that this is what he's supposed to do. And I wanted him to just naturally intuit it. Right. I wanted him to just be like, Oh, of course I'm going to jump up and help. And I, I'll, you don't have to ask, but sometimes we just have to ask. Right. And it just made the whole day so much better. And, you know, it's, it's, it can be infuriating and annoying to have to remind your partner to help in the ways you want them to help, but isn't having the help better than like I was fuming the whole day. Absolutely. So let's also talk about, I like that you were talking about the expectations. I've had to set expectations to have some personal time, which is honestly, I get up at 5.30 a.m. and I have from 5.30 to 7. I make my coffee. I do a ride. I often do weights and I do yoga. That's like my my time. By 7, I need to be dealing with everyone else. But I'd rather not necessarily be at 5.30. So what are your, what, how can someone create some boundaries around personal downtime? Well, it has to be intentional, right? You have to be just as intentional with yourself as you are with the needs of other people. And, you know, that unfortunately that might mean five 30 in the morning, if that's the most opportune time. But I think what, what I have found is that I now make it very clear what I need and I, and I carve out a way to have that. Right. So I tell my partner, I tell him, um, you know, on this day I'm doing this. So you, you have enough time, you have a few days. Can you make sure that you're home so I can go do this? Or, um, I make sure like every week I have built in time that I work out. I also have built in time where I have coffee with my friends. Now it took me a long time to get to that point where I had the confidence and I'd say the gumption to just demand that. But now that I do, I'm, I'm much happier. I'm more, I'm much more balanced. I, you know, I can take these deep breaths and feel renewed when I'm doing these things for myself. So when I talk to other parents about this, sometimes it's, you know, it's hard because we have kids and we have little ones and you don't want to pay a babysitter every time you want to go get a coffee. But, you know, I did talk to a group of parents in California who created this, um, community babysitting plan, right? So they would trade off they're like four houses and they would kind of trade off giving each other free time. And sometimes it's date night. So then like another house takes the kids and then you and your partner can go out on a date. Other times it's like, you want to go take a class every Thursday at six after work. Then, you know, it's, they've worked it out where everyone kind of benefits from this community time. So I'd say use your resources, mm-hmm. you know, your mother-in-law may annoy you, but if she's willing to babysit so you can go out and do something for yourself, take it. Um, if you have siblings or cousins or aunts or uh, that really lovely, lonely neighbor who would love to help out with your kids, you have to take advantage of the village you create for yourself. And that is really the only way to get the balance you need. Um, it's just, it's just so critical for your own emotional well-being, I think. I totally agree. And you said something that kind of made me think about, you said going out for coffee and that made me think about how much I did before kids with friends. And what I've realized is my son's almost 10. Over this time, I have noticed a lot of my friends, in fact, I don't think, I don't know if I have any friends that don't have kids. So how, <laughs> how do you, how do you stay connected to child-free friends. Do you have any suggestions on that? Yeah. You know, I, I dedicated a whole chapter to this, this notion of like, 
staying connected to child-free friends. Because when you are a parent, it's just so easy to get wrapped up into the parent world. You, It is possible to function and not have and live your life without any child-free friends. And um, I just find that when I interviewed people who were child-free, it's a very hurtful circumstance, right? You know, you were once very much a part of this person or these people's lives, and then you have kids, you kind of drop out of their universe. And that's hurtful, right? So you have to, you have to make an effort to be with your child-free friends. And, you know, a lot of moms have talked about, well, they're not going to want to come to a three-year-old's birthday party. Or they're not going to want to deal with me talking about, you know, Jimmy's milestones or like how much I hate the first grade teacher. And I was like, well, I said, well, for your own sanity, you should want to talk about other things anyway. Like you had interests before you had kids. Yeah. You can still have those interests now. And having connect, staying connected with child free friends is a great way to have a life outside your kids as well. You know, that's, that's one of the, I think one of the biggest mistakes we often make is that we, our whole world revolves around our kids, but even everything, even we turn all of our interests into whatever is going on with our kids. And there comes a time when your kids don't need you or want you around that much. And it's really important to have a life of your own outside of your children as well. And so when, you know, I call up and I, I hadn't talked to this friend in, in years and I, I reconnect with her a couple of years ago and we just like catch up by phone every month when I'm in my hometown, which she still lives in, we'll meet for coffee. We, you know, we check in on each other during the pandemic and it doesn't take a lot. It's just, but she's, a, she's important to me. And I've made her important to me and I make that little bit of effort and it's, it makes her feel valued and it makes me feel connected. And I think that you have to do that. And you also have to celebrate other people's milestones, mm-hmm. right? They don't care. There's no fifth kindergarten graduation, which, you know, I had a preschool graduation today. There's none of that <laughs> in this woman's life, but she got a new job. Hey, let's, let's celebrate when I'm in town. Let's go out for drinks or let's go out for dinner. Or she's seen someone new. I'm like, Oh, I want to hear all about it. Right. I'm not going to dominate the conversation with my world because moms can talk endlessly about all the craziness of motherhood, mm-hmm. but other people need to share their lives and their experiences. So there are those things. And it actually makes me feel better, right? It makes me feel better listening to someone else who needs to be listened to, right? And, you know, and that person's going to be there for you in those moments in, in the most surprising ways. So you just have to give it a chance. You have to make an effort to keep those relationships alive in some way, not every day, not every morning, maybe not even once a week, but you have, you, you should maintain that connection because it's, it's, it's going to benefit you. I promise. Mm, I think that's really a great suggestion. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's jump into balance and career and family. That, that is a big one. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Woo, career and family. For those that have a career outside the house, what is your advice about keeping even escalating one's career while still trying to be a present parent and not feel like you're missing on just the upbringing of your child. Mm-hmm. So here is, here's the deal on that. You're, <laughs> I'm listening. What is the deal? <laughs> I know, this is the deal. So I think we, when we go into, we're, we're working moms, career moms, and um, we kind of jump back into work after maternity labor, however long we've taken off. We have this idea that we're going to be able to give 100% to everything. Sometimes some of us do like, right. I'm going to give a hundred percent to work, a hundred percent to kids, a hundred percent to my marriage. And it doesn't work that way. No, right? I, it never <laughs> works that way. No, ever. I, I haven't, I've yet to meet the person that that works for. Um, and I, and I've talked to some women and I did this myself. I remember thinking, Oh, well now I'm going to do like 30, 30, 40, right. I'll give 30% to something that doesn't work either. Right. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to kind of fail everything at once. What I think what works best, what worked for the women I talked to was when they had to, there's a constant shift of priorities, right? So the weeks that your kids need you, when there's something big going on, or there's a, there's a game or there were a recital order, that is the priority. And that's what you make sure you are there for and that you clear your schedule for. But there are times where work needs to take the priority and you may not be able to be there for everything. It's like a constantly shifting target, right? Mm -hmm. Because at different days of the week or different times of the um, month or different times of the year, you're going to have to prioritize different things. Now, I know that a lot of moms feel really guilty when they can't be there for everything. And I've gone through that myself. And actually, I'll tell you a story. I, when my son was about four years old, I stopped working full time because I thought, you know what? I, I need to be around more because I'm, I'm working so much. And that's when I, I was still working in entertainment and I, you know, it was just 4 a.m. deadline. It was just crazy. And I stopped working full time for several years, my oldest, my oldest son. And then he had this little graduation. He was going to middle school. And he got up and they were supposed to tell like this memory about, you know, coming to the school that he was at. And he told this story about like, oh, like my mom always, you know, basically he, I, I worked all the time and that, um, I couldn't come to a lot of his stuff, but the teachers at, at the school always made him feel so loved and welcome. And I thought, oh my God, for the past four years, I haven't worked. <laughs> but that's what he, that was his impression. That's, he, that's his impression that I, and I, I mean, I was on the, I'm on the school board. I volunteered to run dances and, and benefits and Christmas fairs and all this stuff. And I thought, oh my God, like I have, you know, so what, I guess the point is, is that you can think you're making this huge sacrifice and it may, it's, it's not always necessary. You don't have to give up every part, every other part of you to be a good mom. I find that I am a better 
mom when I have deadlines that I'm trying to meet, but also balancing it with their needs because I have that other part of me that's fulfilled. So do I have perfect that balance every day? No, I do not. But like this morning, I made sure to be at the preschool graduation. Then I had an article that I needed to turn in and I came back and hustled and finished it. And then I had this interview to do. So again, it's like constantly moving targets, but you have to figure out the balance that's going to make you feel good, right? I feel good when I can, when I have work and home, right? If work doesn't make you feel good, if you feel that this is not good for your family, then you have to make a choice. But if you do like working or you need to work, you should also know that your kids are going to be okay. And they're also seeing something really important. They're seeing someone who's taking care of a family, who's meeting the responsibilities that they have. And hopefully they're seeing someone who loves what they do. I think it brings back to that personal downtime and the boundaries. Like they're mm-hmm. seeing that you're setting boundaries about work and it's something that you love and it kind of reflects back to personal time and downtime and seeing friends. Can I ask a question about personal yeah. space and mm-hmm. <laughs> creating boundaries about one's body and space? Cause I fail at that. I'm going to admit that I fail that my kids, especially my daughter feels that my body is like her jungle gym. She oh, will yeah. climb on me. She will just plop onto my, she literally earlier today, I was at the kitchen. I was cutting her food with a sharp knife and she like was trying to slide down my body like a pole. So yeah. <laughs> which was really irritating me. I'm like, you're going to pull my skirt down. So, and then she'll climb on my lap. So how does someone create boundaries around? So we talked about personal time and seeing Mm -hmm. friends and we're starting to talk about creating space for work and child, but what about their actual body and space? Right. Well, you know, I also have uh, a four-year-old. I have a four-year-old who is, who still does not understand that my body, my space, he's like always hanging on me. And when I'm, we're in the room, he's all, he always wants me to pick him up and he just wants to sit on my lap. Um, it's hard. It's hard, but I have also gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, now you go play, right? No, mommy needs to work or mommy needs to do this or mommy needs to go. And it's, you go play. And I think that's really hard, you know, because you love that they love you and they want to be around you, but they're also going to be okay if they're not hanging on you every moment. It's really more for your sanity than theirs. There is such a thing as being overtouched. Yes. Yeah. And that is very real. And I did, I talked to women about that this like phenomenon of being overtouched and it can affect you in other ways. Right. So your kids hanging on you and all day, and then, um, you just don't have any personal space that also affects the other people in your life. Maybe your partner or your spouse or other people, like you just kind of re- start to reject other closeness because you have no personal space. Mm. So I think that, women or or mothers or any, I guess any parent has to be willing to kind of pull their kid off them when they need their kid off them and do something else. Right. You know, like this, this last night, the same thing, I was cutting up some fruit and my, my son was like, up, 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 up. And I was like, no, Aiden, go over there and play with your trucks. I'll be over there in a minute, you know? And it wasn't harsh, but it's just, and he just, and he, he reluctantly did it, but it's also important for him to understand that there are boundaries. I mean, those are lessons that kids can never, I don't think they can ever learn too early, but to understand that they can't always climb on you. 
number one, it's not always safe. Like if you're in the kitchen and you're cooking and number two, it's, it's, um, it's just, it's harsh on you. It's, it's just, it's, a, it's hard on a woman's body. It's hard on her emotions and you, it's okay to set boundaries with children as hard as that is. Um, I do a lot of diversion tech tactics. I'm like, Oh my gosh, let's like, you know, create a racetrack and, and I'll race with you in 20 minutes. I have a timer. Cause he doesn't really know how to tell time. He can't, cause he knows what 20 minutes is, but we have this clock and it's got big red numbers. And I'm like, when that beeps, I'm going to come and play with you. I like and that. I like that because I find when my daughter climbs on my lap I, in my brain, I'm like, you know, there's going to be a time not that long from now when she doesn't want to yeah. do this. So I should embrace it. It's kind of like when she asked me to read her an extra story at night. I'm like, I want her to have good memories. So I'm just going to suck it up. But maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe I have to have a little bit of better boundaries around that. Yeah, the timer has worked really well for us because he gets it. And as soon as he hears that ding, he's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, and it's like, it gives me a little breathing room. It gives him something to look forward to. And then we have an allotted time. I like that. So I know for your book, you did a lot of interviews and you interviewed therapists and researchers. Were there any findings from the latest studies on happiness and self-care and parenthood that you found the most interesting? Well, I think what I found... The most interesting, you know, I, I called it an epidemic of mommy malaise because there were, there's, there are actually several studies that suggested that, um, parents, the, the, the feelings that parents had in active parenting every day were akin to what you go through in divorce or death. <laughs> Wait, say that again. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Say it again. I know. Exactly. Like the, the, the feelings that parents had when they're actively parenting, like the day to day were akin to the feelings people have during a divorce or a death of a loved one. Can you and it, it, it's, it is that, that there's just, there's like this over there, there's, you're overwhelmed. You don't know kind of what to do. You don't see an ending to this feeling of being overwhelmed or sad or not happy. But that said, Studies also showed that as children age and get older, people with kids are happier than people without kids. So it was just really interesting. It kind of like highlighted that that there's this period in a parent's life that that is not going to be anything like you expected it to be, right? And it may be much harder than you ever imagined, but there's always light at the end of (laughs) the tunnel, Oh, that's so interesting. So again, I see everything through the lens of birth as a birth worker. So it's almost like contractions that you know at some point it will end and there'll be a break. Yes. (laughs) It's just like a really long (laughs) contraction. And then at that point it will end. That is absolutely right. And you know what what I also found really interesting and and I talk about this, like uh I don't know if you've heard of the term metrescence. Yes, yes. And you know, I and I love to I love kind of diving into that and explaining that, you know, being a parent is a lot like, or becoming a mother is a lot like another adolescence. Yeah. You, your body changes, your relationships change. Sometimes your skin does something crazy and funky. (laughs) 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 Um, You are going through, it's an emotional roller coaster, And that's a lot, that's a lot like becoming, um, a teenager, right? Or going through puberty. And so I think we have to get ourselves a little slack. We, and, and from my understanding of metrescence, it's like with every stage your child goes through, 
you also go through another stage of learning and developing. Like I look at motherhood for myself as a constant lesson, right? As soon as I feel like I've mastered one thing, something new comes along that I have no idea what to do. And then I'm learning about that, that part of motherhood. Now I have a four-year-old and I have a soon to be 13 year old and talk about the two craziest ages to have children. And, um, they both require something so different. I feel like they both push me in different ways, but like every day I'm figuring out more and more. And isn't they're so different? So things I even figured out with the first one don't necessarily always apply to the second one. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think of motherhood as this constant learning a constant lesson, right? And some of them are easy lessons. Some of them are hard, but um, it's pushing me and growing me in, in ways that I didn't expect. And I know that sounds really hokey. And I used to roll my eyes when I used to hear people say that before I had kids, but it, it really does um, make you learn a lot about yourself and then how to take care of others. Okay. I can, I can get behind that. I actually, I really do like that. So you were, I was thinking about getting along with others and friends. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about the friends that you may lose that hopefully you're trying to maintain your, your child free friends. We're talking about personal boundaries and just needing and support. So let's talk a little bit about that village. We always hear people say like, it takes a village, create your village. And I have found as a working parent, and maybe it's also because I moved when my son was five, but as a working parent, it was sometimes hard to find that village because I was not on the school board and I couldn't volunteer mm-hmm. in class and talk. And that was made me feel guilty quite a bit, but I didn't meet a lot of parents at that time. So do you have suggestions for how to find that village when you may yeah. not be able to be present in making that village? Yeah. You know, I, you know, and this is again, a really um, popular topic for, just by every single mom that, that I interviewed. And um, I think one of the, the biggest lessons is that you can't give up, right? So the time that you do have, use it, right? So I, when my son first started school, I worked full time, I had crazy hours. And what I would do is even if uh, I was working late, I would be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to go to this volunteer project thing the school's having and I'm going to go for one hour and I'm going to go back to my desk. And I did that. Right. And that's, that's me. That, that, that is a way that I thought, Hey, this is me contributing in a way that I can. doesn't work for everyone. But what I also wound up doing is that I was sort of scheduling play dates and activities when it was convenient for me. Right. I couldn't fit. I couldn't, you know, do the right after school play date because, you know, I didn't get off work at 3 PM. And uh, so I would schedule them, um, on the weekends or Friday after work, I'd have kids over or something like that. So I think a part of it is making, um, making those connections when it's convenient for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have drinks with moms. Like I'd be like, Oh, can, can you meet for drinks at seven? Cause then it'd be like after bedtime, maybe her partner was there or maybe, you know, or, or she still had her sitter there and she could meet me out to hang out. Um, so I, I try to find ways to connect with other moms, um, when it, it fit my schedule and it worked, right? Like, and I didn't give up, Like sometimes I'd, you know, meet up with you. You don't know. It's kind of the first date. You don't know what if you're going to really have a lot in common besides the fact that your uterus was working at the same time. And 
both have kids in the kindergarten. And, you know, I would sit and we'd have like dinner or herbs or drinks or coffee. And it'd be like, mm, I don't really think this is a match. Right. And, um, I wouldn't give up necessarily on that first. I would try to give it like two coffees or two outings before I'd be like, mm, I don't know if this person, we really kind of jive. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing. Like you never know who's going to end up being that rock for you. I mean, I think some of the closest mom friends I have now, when I first met them, I remember thinking like, I have nothing in common with this person. Like, what am I going to talk to this person about? And now these are some of the women who, you know, are there for me when I ever, I need something or we celebrate each other and we're always, you know, we're always there for each other. Um, what I started to do too is like, you know, after drop off, it's a popular time for people to have coffee. I would have a quick coffee before I would head to the office or head to do work or something like that. Um, again, it's like very intentional. It's not, it doesn't come easily. It doesn't always come like just organically. Sometimes you, I mean, the relationships should develop organically, but what I'm saying is you making that step to bond with other people. And if you want it to be other moms, you have to make an effort. Right. And I, you know, I also don't think you should put on, you know, I don't think that they should meet your representative. You know, they should meet who the real you, right. They should get your humor. They should get what your philosophy is for meeting this mom. And a breastfeeding was very, very hard for me. And so the way I made myself feel better about not being a very good milk producer was I was very self-deprecating about that. And, um, she hated that. And I, I, you know, it's kind of like already I was like, Ooh, I didn't read the room. Right. Like she totally, it totally turned her off the self-deprecating humor I had about it because she, she was breastfeeding for years. Like she could, you know, and, and that was okay. I had to be okay with the fact that, okay, well, that was a sore point for her and, Maybe we won't be great friends, but your friend is out there. Your friends are out there. You just have to kind of try and it's trial and error and it's okay. And it's also okay if people start, you start off as friends and then you grow apart. I think that's also hard for, for moms, but it's also a reality of being a grown up. Mm-hmm. And I like what you're saying about sometimes it has to be very intentional because what I would see often is I would drop my daughter off at school and then I'd be running for the train and I'd see some moms just kind of congregating and then meandering yeah. over and I'm like, uh, but <laughs> yeah. I like that. I do like the suggestion of you do have to make an effort, a conscious effort because not everything can happen organically if your time is four in the afternoon you know, people aren't congregating then. So yeah, that's helpful. So I know that you interviewed a ton of people. So we talked about some therapists that you interviewed. There has to be a story or two amongst parents that really stick out to you. Is there anything that you want to share? Well, there's this one, this is one story of this mom. And I, I did this focus group of um, moms who were in corporate America and, you know, they were executives and a couple of lawyers, businesswomen, and, and we got on the topic of, um, you know, do you have the mom gene? Like this, just, this, you know, what is the mom gene to you and do you have it? And, um, this woman, um, she, she's in the book. I, I write about her and I, I just think this story is kind of, 
funny. Um, she talked about how she was, she and her husband were so intent on not having children. Like it was just the last thing they wanted to do. They had kind of developed their lives around the idea that they would never have children. And then as she got older, her mom kept saying, well, who are you going to spend Christmas with when you're old? Like, who are we going to spend the holidays with? And she started wondering, well, should we have kids? Are we supposed to have kids? So she thought, okay, well, let's try. If it works out, fine. If it doesn't, that's also fine. But she was entirely too type A for that. So as soon as they started trying and she didn't get pregnant, like within the first, you know, five to six months, it became her mission. Like she... She ran it like a case in court. Like she just was like every, she bought every book, saw the best fertility specials, all this stuff. And she read in some, somewhere, some, I don't know if it was a website or an article somewhere that egg yolks would help you get pregnant. And so eating them, just eating egg yolks. Right. So that's, that's what you would think. Okay. Wait, where did she put the egg yolks? Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. She they use the egg yolks actually as a lubricant. And we were never heard that. I I know. There was like dead silence in the room because we were like, wait, what? And then she's like, but the worst part of it was that she got salmonella. And she said, you know, I spent my whole life determined not to have kids. And then I become this person who will try every crazy, crazy suggestion to get pregnant. And I thought that was really kind of funny because I was like, we were all like, wait, what? <laughs> you put egg yolks where? So, um, but she talked about, a lot, you know, it's. You know, I'm just her, thinking of the sheets and the egg yolks and then yes. showering up and, and then going to the hospital when she got and sick, like, going to the doctor and having to tell them what she did. Why there's egg yolk up your Yes. And why she's, how she got salmonella poisoning. And it was just, oh my God, it was so funny. You know, later, um, to, like tomorrow morning when I'm making eggs for breakfast, I'm going to look at the egg yolks. And now, now I have that in my mind. <laughs> But it was just kind of like a funny, lighthearted moment. Um, but then there were lots of, there, there were poignant stories about, um, you know, wanting a child your whole life and it being most of what you, they thought it would be and that they're very, like, it's, it's so happy and joyous that this is part of life. But then there are also women who shared that, you know, they have a lot of regrets and if, would they have a child all over again? They're not so sure. Um, and I wanted to include some, those, those honest moments. Most people would not change having children that I, that I interviewed, but, but some would. Um, there was a woman who talked about, um, oh, you know, I, I write about sex after children and she did everything she could to avoid having sex with her husband. <laughs> like everything. Like uh, she putting would, eggs up her vagina. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That would work actually. That might kill you, but it also, you know, <laughs> I want to have sex with you. Um, but she would start fight like little pick little fight. So he'd be, so be annoyed. And so one day I, um, went to see her and she opened the door and she had pink eye and it was Valentine's day. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, that's so, that sucks. That's like the terrible thing to have on Valentine's day. And she was like, are you kidding? This is the best get out of sex excuse I've ever had. I love pink eye. <laughs> it's oh, just goodness. kind of like, Oh my God. Um, but I think that, you know, there were just so many interesting stories, um, women talking about what it's like when they've moved to a new area and they don't have family around or being overwhelmed by family. Um, 
it's just, I can't, it's hard for me to pick a favorite because, you know, women are just so interesting. And my husband used to ask me, he's like, why, why did they tell you so much? And I was like, because no one really ever asked them about them outside their children. Right. Mm. So I didn't ask about milestones. I didn't ask about what your kids are like. I didn't ask like, um, you know, what funny things your kids do or how do your kids make you laugh or anything like that. I asked basically what, how they felt and what their experience was as mothers, but not as it relates to raising children. Yeah, like you raising saw the them, you heard them, like you were really present to be there with yeah. them, hold the space. I wanted them to feel seen. And I, cause I wanted, because I wanted to feel seen. And I also wanted to feel that I wasn't alone in some of these things and questions and concerns and issues that I had. Oh, that was wonderful. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. What is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new expectant parents? And it could be from your own life as a parent. It could be from all your interviews and research, whatever you'd like. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, we are back. All right, what is on the tip of your tongue? Um, well, I think that one message that I hope that people get from my book and just in general, their motherhood experience is that you are not a bad mom or dad if you don't love every moment of parenthood, right? It is okay to not be joyful every single moment of the time that you spend with your kids or in family life, it's supposed to be a roller coaster and it's supposed to be hard at times, but in the end, having that family that sustains you is what's important. Like they are, they, when there's no work, when there's no, when there's nothing else in your universe, they hold a special place of importance in your life. And and that's what we should remember that, um, we can love and be grateful and not gush about motherhood all the time. Yes, 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 yes. I feel that. And I definitely support that. Where can people find your work? So, um, you can go to my website, which is ericasuter.com, E-R-I-C-K-A-S-O-U-T-E-R.com. I also write for WebMD, mom.com, Cafe Mom. So you can find my work in several places. And I am a contributor on Good Morning America. And I talk exclusively about parenting issues and motherhood. Uh, so I'm kind of all out there. And I'd love for people to pick up my book and tell me what you think. Um, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Oh, so great. I have really enjoyed our conversation. And I knew when we were on that panel together and I was listening to him, like, I want to talk to her more. And so I'm so (laughs) glad I got the chance to do so. So thank you. Me too. This has been a lot of fun. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.